Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Just a quick warning. This podcast series contains discussions about crime, trauma, sexual abuse, drug use, and suicide. Listener discretion is advised. NRL legend and Fox commentator, Bray Finasta, welcome to The Sticker. Thanks for having me on. I've been watching your stuff and doing a, an awesome job, so it's it's good to get a start, mate. I'm, I'm honoured to be on it. Oh, mate, I'm honoured to have you, mate. Been a big fan of yours. I remember you coming through the ranks at Souths, and 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 it was really big talk about you, and and you lived up to it, mate. Not, not many of the child <laughs> proteges do that. Brave, tell us about your upbringing. Let's start there. Where'd yeah. you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Malabar. My dad was. Australian-born Greek, yep. hard worker, and he was just a panel beater yep. who ended up being quite successful at that, just that sort of wog style. Yeah, like, he just working. worked hard. They yeah. just worked hard. Come from nothing. He had a panel beating shop, advanced smash repairs in Kingsford, and he did well out of it, and then he just aspired to be better and wor- worked hard and, and did well, and he bought a house. He built the house in Malabar, and then we- Grew up near the jail. Yeah, oh, big time. And while we're there- a lot of times they'd break out. Yeah. Just to non-Sydney viewers, Malabar, where uh, Brave grew up, is what within a 500 metres oh, of yeah. Long Bay Prison, which is one of the biggest prisons in New South Wales. It has, holds about 1,500 prisoners. And there was like a an alleyway of grass. It, was, it would have been a stone's throw from the jail. We were only probably 300 metres from the jail. And one day I was on the balcony and I heard the the siren go that, that there'd been an escape. And it happened quite, not often, but it did happen while, yeah. while I lived there a long time. And I looked on the balcony and I just saw this guy running down the alley. <laughs> and then he just went and hit on the in the rocks on the golf course and the cops were looking for him. And I stayed, I obviously, I... You're saying he went the other way. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing this. You can leave me out of it. But yeah, that, that kind of happened a few times while I was living there. But yeah, grew up in Malabar, played all. I played golf there on the Ramwick Golf Course, which was just on the back of the house. Is that where your love of golf kicked off? Yeah. There, playing there? Yeah, you, it did. You're a very accomplished yeah. golfer, aren't you? I used to be. I, I remember when I moved there, I hated it. Like, yeah. I thought, why are these fucking lunatics following around a white ball? It, I just didn't get the game at all. Yeah. I thought it was stupid. And I was into my sport, though, obviously in the league and cricket and union and all that. And then I just started jumping the fence and hitting a few balls. And then before I knew it, I got the bug. And by, by 15, I was thir- probably 12, 13, 14. And by 15, I was playing off plus one and, oh, and, and, and addicted good. to it. Did you ever think of a career in golf? I yeah, I did. Realistically, that was the time because I was young and – I was playing the state team and went to the Academy of Sport for it. And footy was my number one because my uncle was George Piggins and mm. I was born and bred South, one red eye, one green eye. And my only goal in life was to play for them. But all of a sudden, I just got hooked on this sport and then my dad supported me, my mum supported me. And I actually gave up rugby league when I was 15 to, mm. to play golf for a year. Yeah, And I played in all the big tournaments and played against Adam Scott and uh, Badley and all those guys. And But then... SG Ball, Denny Loftus was, and the full- SG Ball's under 15s, is it under 17s? Back then it was, I think it was around 16, 17s. Yeah. No, 16s it would have been. And the fullback got injured and he just rang me and said, mate, I need you. Because they'll go, it was midway through the year. And I'm like, oh. Is this where you're having a hiatus playing golf? Yeah, yeah, I was having a hiatus. And then I went and played fullback, played well. It was up a year too. So it was probably 17s, yeah, because yeah. it was up a year. And we won the comp. South Sydney won the SG ball. And then it was like, then I got a contract and then it was just 
there was no turning back. So I, I let the golf go then. And ever since, I've never been nowhere near that calibre I was then of player, a golfer. People always talk it up, but realistically, I'm not even close. But I, I still love it. Yeah, do you, do you play corporate or anything like that? Yeah, heaps. I mean, yeah. I got one tomorrow because a lot of people obviously know that I play it and can play it, and I've got I manage golfers too. Yeah. So uh, I've got a lot of clients that play around the world. It's just it, 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 they get me to MC or get up and talk, and then put me with groups as well because I can hit the ball okay. So I get a lot of yeah. invitations to the golf days, and they're fun. Yeah, 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 for sure. Let's talk about the importance of the South Sydney Rabbitohs for the mm. people of the eastern suburbs. Oh, George Piggins is... Yeah, George is struggling at the moment, so yeah. a bit of a shout-out to him. You, you know what it's like. It, it, just such a family, traditional club, been around forever. Um, die-hard supporters. Die-hard. And I, I ended up on the other side, so we'll get there, but hmm. it wasn't good on the other side. But I, yeah, I, it was just my dream. I think all of us played for South Eastern. They had one year at the Mustangs and then played my whole career at the Mirabal Lions. Hmm. South, all the South sort of rep teams coming through. And, yeah, George was my uncle, so he was the president of South, coach, played for Australia, all that sort of thing. So if you don't know George or the connection there with South, and I was his nephew. So from the second I was born, it was just a footy in my hand. And that was my dream from day one. And it was a, a great junior system too. He playing, it was us, Maroubra, and we're playing La Perouse and they, a lot of the Indigenous guys were freaks. And I remember taking... I remember when me and Darren Trindle escaped from... Tricky. Yeah, I played with Tricky. Yeah. Me and him escaped from Derek Boy's home, and yeah. I had to take him to LARPA for his footy training. <laughs> Where's an escapee from the boys' home? Tricky's a character, isn't he? Yeah. Eh? I spoke to him the other day. He's, he's going, doing all right? He's going okay. Good, yeah. yeah. I, he was one of my... When I went to the Bulldogs, he was... We played in the halves, and yeah. I loved it. Like I'm talking my, Darren. He's an older oh, Darren. brother. Darren. Oh, not, not older, Tricky. He's, he's elder brother. He's oh, the original Tricky. Not Dra Daryl. Yeah. Darren. Okay. I don't know if I know Darren. Mate, yeah, he was right. talented. Man. Yeah, he was so talented. He could have been. And he's one of those ones that got away. Yeah, there's plenty of them. Yeah. Like, I, like some of the guys I played with, the indigenous guys, were just unbelievable. They're just freaks. Aren't like they? freaks. And I just want to go back to something that you mentioned, and this is the difference between people who make it and people who don't. Mm. You had that family structure at home. You had mum and dad, and obviously taking you to the sport and being part yeah. of it. How important is that for kids? Oh, I was blessed. It's very important. That's why it's really important as a parent now. Like, you understand that a lot more. You know? And I actually feel sorry for a lot of those kids who don't have that. Yeah. They don't. And, and it's even now I see it a lot in the game, and that's why I've started managing as well because I've only got a few guys and kids, but a lot of it's the mentor because we all know we can all go off track very easily, right? Yeah. And if you've got your parents who are stable and really prioritising you and your career or your mm. upbringing and making sure you've got good values and respect – it goes a long way, but I was always lucky, even though my dad went through tragedy, I was always lucky that he instilled it in me and my mum instilled it in me early. And I had it, like, I was blessed. Mm. And I was one of the lucky ones who always got dropped off on time. They, they drove me around everywhere. I, I lived in a nice house in a nice area. And I'm forever grateful for that because a lot of these kids and guys, they, it's not through their own fault either. Yeah, generational <laughs> transference of trauma. Oh, mate. There's some really interesting stats on... Kids who parent, that there's a few things. They're involved in team sports, swimming, and little athletics. If, they're, if kids are involved in that with the parents' support, mm. they've got like a 60% chance of never getting into trouble. There you go. It's suffering, it's suffering phenomenal. There you go. Suffering, and you're blessed to have that. Yeah. Mate, so started playing for South. When did the Bulldogs come into it? Yeah. Well, South got kicked out of the comp. Yeah, that's and then George got them back George in. George got them back. But the problem with that was is I was on the brink of playing first grade yeah. at South. Yeah. And I, that was all I ever wanted to do. And... I knew because George was fighting the battle and front and centre, He, I had the inside knowledge on where South were at. Mm. George just came up to me and said, mate, we're gone, uh, before it was probably announced, and said, you need to go. Mm. Because he didn't know when they were going to get back in, right, yeah. and how long that fight would take. And I was like, shattered. I didn't mm. want to go anywhere. Like, I'd played every game, everything, every junior. Mm. And I was like, where do I go? And because there was a bit of a name around for me, like mm. I could have went anywhere. I flew to Melbourne, met with Chris Anderson. He was a coach at the time and I loved it there. But my mum was here by herself, not by herself, my brother as well, but my dad had committed suicide only a few years earlier. So she was by herself alone. At what age did your dad commit suicide? 15, when I was 15. He was wow. 40. He was my age now, 41. That was hard because that was, I think going back to what you said before, because I'd had such a normal upbringing, and seen such a happy mum and dad in life and been given everything because he was successful as well, that was that was shattered. That was, that was there any indicators of that? Was he? Was there any? Yeah, there was now. No one ever thinks they're going to 
take that step of killing themselves. Mm. And even now when, cause I obviously work a lot now in mental health and I, I try and help like yourself, trying to talk about everything. And, but I think now there's more opportunities for men to speak and get help and seek advice and feel like they're not alone. And then a lot of guys are going through similar things. Back then it was a stigma. If you killed yourself back then, you're a disgrace. Yeah. That's how you were looked at. It was a shameful thing. And even to this day, even now with when you talk to people who, and, and I talk to a lot of people as they reach out to me about family members who have killed themselves, none of them, not none of them, but the majority of them would never have seen it coming. Yeah. They I lost, the majority. Yeah, I lost a brother. My, my second oldest brother committed suicide. Mm. He was just hooked on poker machines. Oh, fuck. And he just couldn't crack it. Man. And he had all these good jobs and everything like that. No one's seen it. He went yeah. to his workplace and hung that's himself. What, that's exactly what my dad did. Yeah. He went to work. Every Sunday, I think you'd go and do the books. I was pretty young, I was 15, so I'm, and we'd go to Bondi for dinner every mm. Sunday, me, mum and dad, and he didn't come home from the workshop. And then- How did you take that, Brave? Like when someone says your role model <laughs> is not here, no more, yeah. how did you take that? Oh, it's ho horrific. How I, the original, like I, I have not, I, you still have nightmares about it. Like, yeah. I can remember the moment. That we, hey, what, what, we can I, do, you mind, do you want to go there? Can we go there and how I was explained? Yeah. My, my brother went with my uncle and then they came back and told us. Mm. Yeah. It's still get a bit emotional. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. Same. You got me there. <laughs> I've never really spoken about that. Brother, I'm coming with a, you. Don't worry about that. <laughs> it's just a moment that I don't talk about that, but, but it impacts me greatly and it will forever. But in, in, take, in saying that, like my reaction after that original moment of madness and just distraught and it was a week of not sleeping and family at your house and everyone was shattered because no one saw it coming. But I actually went the opposite way. Like I thought I wanted to do him proud. So I didn't quite let it all out at the time, which is why it still impacts me now, I think. You know, like I was, I just went, fuck this, what's next? And I remember I played... I played a massive golf tournament a few days after mm. and uh, my uncle caddied for me and I just went, all right, let's go. And then I didn't turn back. My mum and my brother were way more – my brother found him, so that was just terrible. Mm. And they were – my mum was her only boyfriend too. Met at JJ Carl, a mascot, when they were teenagers mm. and she knew no other way. Whereas I just went and did my thing and I, at least I had – golf and rugby league and sport to to just focus on it. Yeah. But Do you I think you used that as like an outlet to divert your trauma, disassociating yourself through sport? Yeah, and I think a lot of us do that. But I think others do it through drugs or self-destructive yes. behaviour. You took the healthier route. At least I took the healthier route. Yeah. But you're right, and I don't – that's why I don't judge anyone, like, because I can see why. But I, it hit me later in life, like yeah. – in my twenties, when I started getting going through some tough times with footy and getting criticism, and which comes with being a professional yeah, athlete, yeah. I didn't have my dad there, even at financial advice, and because just everything that you lean on your dad for mm. as a young man or a young boy at the time, you don't have, and that hit me in the tw in my twenties and and really impacted me, and I had to go see get some help and see counsellors and sports psychs, and got to a point where I was quite comfortable in my late twenties, and then. Now I'm really comfortable. That, talking about the actual moment hurts and yeah. will, it will haunt me forever. It will. Mm. I remember I was in prison and I was in a segregation. I was getting in this fucking black hole basically. Yeah. And they opened the door and they said, have you got a brother named Stephen? And I went, yeah. And he said, he's dead. And oh, just slammed fuck. my door in my face. And I just went, fuck. Oh, I went, wow. So that was no esteem. Same. Yeah. Like, when, when, you, you, when you're feeling that, I'm, I feel with you because mm. I've been down that How'd track. How would you deal with that? Man, I, got, I was in a black hole for yeah. fucking nine months. I was in this segregation thing, just trapped in my thoughts. It was fucking terrible. My only outlet was the screws wanted to punch on nearly yeah. five days a week, so I got to take a bit out on <laughs> I got to tee off on them a bit and it's, take out a bit of the frustration. You know what, that, that, and that's a lot with league too. A lot of guys take their anger out on the field. A lot of their emotions and things that they're dealing with off-field – it is an outlet. If, if we didn't have the game, I'm not a – no, but if, if you didn't have the game, a lot of the other guys could go in a different direction because it is actually an outlet to, to let your physical and your anger and your mind and everything put, and put it on the opposition and get it out there every So you reckon week. you were hitting them harder like after? Was there a bit of frustration, a bit of anger in there? Oh, you just more – yeah, I mean, that that's a good way. But for us, we're lucky because you can go out there and – and, and <laughs> try to rip someone's head off. <laughs> You've got to, some blokes go a bit harder than others, yeah. but but yeah, it's at least an outlet. Yeah. He would be so proud of the man that you are today. No, he would be because he was my biggest fan and all that too. And he 
had a feeling that I was going to do all right out of it. Uh, Did he tell you that? Yeah, yeah. This, I was thinking about something on the way here, and I was thinking about your position and, and, and even my own, and I was thinking encouraging people to tell people how much they mean to you because yeah. they may not be here tomorrow. I, I think, I don't know if it was one of your posts, but I seen something like that the other day. It's cherish every moment because you don't, know, you don't even know if you're going to wake up yourself tomorrow, yeah. let alone... And one of your loved ones. And that regret of not saying things, that's oh. a horrible haunt, isn't it? It is. And then, yeah, he didn't leave a letter either, which is hard because you want to think, what was he thinking? Why did he do it? How come he thought there was no way out? All that sort of stuff. That sits with you forever too. As a 15-year-old, I, I know with me, I took a bit of blame on it. I said, why, yeah. what, what did I, you know, why didn't he love me enough to stick around? Yeah. Why didn't he communicate? And I just felt like I'd let him down that... That I never give him a platform where he could talk about anything. Yeah. And you that's got, what you're doing now. Yeah. You go through that. You go through a bit of that. And you also go through, at the time I was angry as well. And I think, how the fuck could you do that to us? Yeah. That's not a man. Yeah. That's not looking after your family. What about mum? What about me and my brother? Like, but then you, the older and wiser you get, the more you learn about mental health and, you, and the older you get and, and experience things yourself and the stress of looking after kids and family and your job and professionally and understand how someone could get to that point. Whereas, yeah, trauma, that, that's what led him to it. Mm. There was some sort of underlying issue of trauma that he couldn't... I know, there's a, there is a big one and his best mate, he went into business, so he owned a panel beating shop. And then he he wanted to get into the restaurant game, yeah. which was always a risk. Yeah, tough going. He's not experienced. But his best mate wanted to do it with him. And he went into that with his best mate and his best mate ripped him off. Yeah. And did the bolt and left him there. And that was no doubt in my mind what at least, at the very least started or got him to that point. When you've got a family and that sort of stuff, the, the mindset is I've failed someone. That's that mindset. And they, man, and people are underestimating how forgiving families are. Yeah, well, of course. Yeah. You always think of the worst case yeah. when you go through things like that. But, yeah, I, I think it's been good for me because it's taught me a lot about a really serious issue and that a lot of guys don't really like to talk about. Yeah, and, we, and, and, and I love how encouraging you are. You're a great ambassador for mental health because of your status and you're a big, tough man. And when big, tough men get vulnerable – and inspires mm. other yeah. men to get vulnerable. And that's what it's all about. Even like I, I, a lot of our, my mates are married or in relationships and got kids and they open up a lot more to me now because they know they can. Yeah. And it's good because I can help them because it's a tough world out there. It's not easy. And if we can just give a platform for, you know, for men to talk more and it's a good thing. And I think the importance, I think you just, like, men showing emotion, I think it's so important that men go, what, it's okay to fucking have a few tears. Oh, it it's is. so fucking good. I look at, I was explained about the pressure cooker scenario, right? Pressure cookers are built, so they're the same as human beings, and they've got a release valve on the top, and mm. it releases the steam, stops them exploding. Human beings are the same. We've got mm. eyes, mm. releases tears, stops mm -hmm. us from exploding. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's so true. And when I was explaining them, I went, fuck, yeah. yeah it makes sense. Let's let's move on, mate. So Canterbury, was your first, was Peter yeah. Mort, was Peter Bullfrog there when you? Nah, were there? I just missed Bullfrog. Yeah. So I had Punchy Nelson, McIntyre. The, the, the board there I went through. A, it was quite interesting because so yeah, I'm going back to when George. So I said, where am I going to go? Melbourne. Didn't go to Melbourne because of mum because mm. she was here by herself yeah. and I couldn't leave her. Mm. But you know what? Like looking back, it was impressive and it, mm. I, I loved it there. But I would have been relocating, obviously, and then. I had the roosters. Totally opposition <laughs> oh, to fucking the South. I remember I, I went and met with Freddie and Arthur Beats, and Freddie was playing, obviously. Mm. I ended up playing against him in the grand Freddie final. Freddie Fittler, yeah. Yeah, Brad Fittler. And Artie Beatson, who was the recruitment at the time, mm. and he was really keen because he'd been chasing me for years. But And then George, he's like, there's no fucking way you're going to the Roosters, mate. <laughs> there was no way. He just gave me no option. And I was fine. I trusted him. He was like my father at the time, or a father figure at the very least. And then he said, I've got you a place at the Bulldogs. And I'm like, all right. And he'd spoken to Punchy Nelson. And, was uh, Billy Johnson still there? Yeah. Oh, fucking Billy Johnson. He's right up George's alley. Yeah. It was the best thing I did because not only was it a great club, but they toughened me up too. I walk in there and... So I'm driving, well, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm, I live at, like I said, in Malabar, it's a nice area, and I'd never been out west, ever. <laughs> <laughs> and back then, it was different too, like Belmore, 
and there was no M5 East and all that sort of thing. So I had to drive over an hour to get there, and I'm thinking, where the fuck am I going here? Mm. Like, I'd already signed. Mm. And then I'm looking, as I'm getting closer, there's more bars on, on the windows. Yeah. <laughs> I'm right. looking around going, oh, shit. I'm just a young Eastern mm. Suburbs boy, really. And then I got there, and I walk in, and Gary Carden, who was like below Billy Johnson. We're talking, when are we talking Billy? Billy Johnson is a legendary performance conditioner and he is just tough as now. Pro boxer, pro footballer, tough as they come. Yeah, and that's why the Bulldogs were so tough, even in that era. And when I got there, Gary just goes, look at your soft prick from fucking South Sydney, you pretty boy. And I'm just <laughs> going, oh, fuck. No, hello, welcome. He goes, get on the fucking rower. And I'm like, oh, shit. Anyway, there's a he puts a garbage bin near the rower and he just flogs you until you pretty much collapse and vomit mm. in the bin. So I just did it. And then I walked out of there and thought, fuck, mm. that's brutal. Mm. And I couldn't hardly walk, go home. But the whole idea of that was they're testing your, your mental toughness yeah. straight away and if you're a bulldog or not. So a lot of guys would go, he'd do the same thing to all of them. I wasn't any different mm. to anyone, but a lot would go and not come back. Yeah. And they go, good, yeah. we don't want you. Yeah. The ones that come back, let's go. Yeah. And then... Within a sort of a month, you're the fittest you've ever been. Your body's changing. You feel on top of the world. It's a magical place. It was a magical place. I can't speak for it now, but it was. It taught me a lot of life lessons and values. And hard that, work. Sort of, that was a culture set by blokes like Bullfrog Moore and that was. They, they created a. They talk about that culture. Yeah. And the board in particular had a really good board yeah. there. And folksy, folksy was our coach in 2004. We won it, and Billy Johnson, mate. Mate, we'd the training was just like brutal when you get when I got into that first grade squad, I'd never seen anything like it. And then we'd ride like eighty to one hundred k's and do triathlons and biathlons because he was into his riding, yeah. a lot of boxing. Is it true that I heard he went there was a Canberra game once and he took push bikes down there <laughs> and and injured players at the ride back from Canberra? They, yeah, what they did, yeah, they, and, and they often just stop and say get off and we'll meet you there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've heard all that, those stories. It didn't happen when, when I was there. I must have just missed it. But, yeah, but all the guys loved him and respected yeah. him and thank him. Because yeah. even, even now, like, with the Strong Dad stuff I'm doing, I get Willie coming in for a session, Willie Tonga, all the Bulldogs boys running Matua. And we're all still hard trainers and hard workers yeah. and have hard work ethic and because of them. We yeah. thank them forever. Like, they, they changed our lives, not just – Footy-wise, which we had a lot of success with, but for later in life. A mate of mine, a bloke who was a big influence on me in prison called Kevin Holland, tough as nails. He was behind Daniel Girl's title. Uh -huh. Like, he was his conditioner, tough as, and, like, he's not in a good way. So, big shout-out yeah. to you, Kev. And I just had to go and say, because he laid, like, there was no short, like, when we were, we were training in prison, you were a chosen one to train with. If he's seen something in you, he'd say, come and train with me. Mm -hmm. But if you fucking cut, this was the deal, you'd be doing a 10K run and your, your goal was to do it in 40 minutes. Yeah. And if he's seen you slacking it off, he'd say you got a couple of body shot yeah. and you just didn't want one. Yeah. And that was his part. But he, he just commanded respects. Yeah. And it's like someone like Billy. And, and did he do it with you? Yeah, he did, yeah. I think that's a big thing. Yeah. Like if you see him. He was like 15, 20 years older than okay, me. He was competitive, right, yeah, but he was in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in it, and he was, he'd always lead from the front, And but a really accomplished boxer, really – he they brought out the Empire champion to fight Tony Mundine, and he knocked him out in one round. <laughs> yeah, in jail, in a jail. <laughs> I reckon he just – was legendary. This place got legendary stories. But anyway, yeah. so I went out there the other day to say, mate, he's not in the best of health, to say, hey, thank you for yeah. installing that in me, which has created my work ethic. Yeah. That training – that training ethic that Billy Johnson stores, it mm. converts into your work it ethic does. in business. Well, it teaches you, like, you got to work hard to, to be successful. Yeah. You? And it's not just footy. Like, we, 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 we learned that at the start you're going, oh, this is, this is terrible. You know, they're, you know, they're pricks. No. And then, then when you see the yourself and your mind and the team and then success and you go, okay, okay, we know exactly why they're doing this mm. and thank you. And that's what it's all about. But he, I take that into my work now. My work ethic is I work my ass off in mm. everything I do. And and a lot of that's again, goes back to that. Yeah, and I find that same. I just I wonder where it's coming from. I'm working 11 o'clock at night and going, fuck, yeah, I just want to keep going. Yeah, good, is it? It's because you're looking so good too. Yeah, man, right? I feel fit at the moment. This is the game I'm interested in. First game for the Bulldogs, running out for the Bulldogs. Mm. They hit it. They tried to hide it from the media because they knew that there'd be a beat up with George being my uncle and mm. South out of the comp. I've gone to the Bulldogs. I'm only 18. 
all that. And there was big hype on you. Oh, man, the hype was crazy. Because you were like a child prodigy fucking yeah. destined for big things. Yeah, and, and I often say it was, at the time I loved it because I was a young kid going, how good's this? Yeah. But again, it catches up on you because the expectations straight away from the gun is here. You don't have that time to grow. But that they tried to hide it. It was Parramatta, playing Parramatta. And the Origin boys were out, I think, like maybe Clyde and Sticky. And like it was that. I was catching the end of that, Brad Clyde, Ricky Stewart. And they got me on as like a to play anywhere, utility off the bench. But they tried to hide it because they knew that if it got out, it could be a, a bit of big news or whatever at the time. And it, it got out. <laughs> it got out. So the back page was the next Brad Fitland. It was just the full page of me in my Bulldogs gear. Mm. So that was like, wow. But, yeah, it was – the actual game was awesome. I got on it late, I got on it later in the game and I was like, oh, it was actually like, oh, this, I can handle this. Like a really good – because you always think first grade's going to be – fuck, I'm only a young kid. But then you get out there and you can handle and you go, all right, I can do this. And, and then you, you get excited about the next opportunity that you get. But, yeah, it was at Paramount. We actually ended up losing the game but had a few good touches and it was a good – Would you play five out of lock? I was just off the bench, so I ended up coming in as a nine. They just needed someone to play mm. utility. So it was just a bit of an introduction. It mm. wasn't really – where I played any of my footy, but it was still good fun. You know what I, I look at, and I look at how people like some of them hits that footballers take, and I mm. think, man, that takes some conditioning. It, it's unbelievable, and even it's getting hard. It's getting harder because every player is getting bigger, stronger, faster. They're weighing a lot more, but it's all muscle. Yeah. And, and science is really science, a big part. Yeah, because of recovery and yeah. GPS. And, and even now, I don't go to the games as much now because I'm, I work a lot in the studio at Fox, but when you go, the hits are getting harder. Like, yeah, yeah. You appreciate it when you, you hear the sound. How far, you wonder, I wonder how far that can go. Where's the stopping point where you just – I watched that Saab from Manly yeah. fight. I watched him fight yeah, on – He won, didn't he? Oh, man, what You're an right? athlete. Yeah. That bloke's just natural. You mean, you, I met him for the first time as I was going through the Manly facilities. I got a young kid, actually Brandy Alexander, his young fella, Bo, I look after. And I walked in and I'd never seen him in real life. Mate, I He's was- He's a giant. What the f I couldn't believe it. But that's the modern footballer. Yeah. And that's a winger. Yeah. It, it was crazy how big In the old days, that's an Ian Roberts second rower. Robbo, what about him? What a good bloke. Oh. I've had him on the podcast. Mate, good, bloke. Good, yeah. good bloke. He's a legend, mate. So, mate, tell me, so let's talk about your first rep teams. You made New South Wales. Yeah. How many games did you play before you met? Made oh, I, I made the Australian team my first year. Did you? So I, I toured uh, as a 19-year-old and had a sort of crazy year. I got rookie of the year and went on tour with Brad Fittler, Darren Lockyer, Trent Barrett, Andrew Johns, Danny Badiris. Wow. Wendell Saylor. And I'm just like this 19-year-old kid going, I was watching this a year ago on my couch. Like, it was yeah. fucking surreal. What, like, what kangaroo was it? What tour was it? Uh, it was just a kangaroo tour, f three tests against England uh, over there, over in Leeds, Manchester. And How good's that over there? Oh, so good. We stayed right near the university too, yeah. so it was good fun. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been. Yeah, good introduction for me into mm. the – and I was an eye-opener because I just realised that these guys are normal. Joey's not normal, but <laughs> mm. he's good fun. Just to be Joey, like – talking about learning like he was mad like and loves a good time yeah and he owns that right yeah. and i love that about him he, he owns it and he has fun with it on nine with his coverage yeah. and all that and we're very close even now but i remember my first i just want to yeah a legendary footballer andrew joey johns yeah well i reckon the best player i've ever played with yeah and against but he was known for a larrikin, and if you go on team bonding, he's the one leading it, and he's the one with a can of Coke with bourbon on it in the back of the bus and <laughs> laughing and bagging everyone mm. and all that. And he's a lot of the time he was the last one home. Mm. But I remember I was one of my first days in camp, and we'd all been out all night. It was a lot different back then mm. too. And the first few nights you have a drink, and you get it's the team bonding. You get to know each other well, and I didn't know a lot of these guys and all that. And then it was like six in the morning, we'd been out all night, and I get a knock on the door. I'm like, who is fucking this now? It was Joey. Mm. He's let's go. I go, go where? Go to the park. I'm like, all right, sweet, okay. Go to the park, hats out, and here we are going through footwork and passing. And I'm thinking, mate, this is why. This is why. And no one knows this. No one sees this. Everyone just thinks he's naturally talented. He's a larrikin. But this is why. He works harder. 
than everyone else. And he, he's working when everyone else is sleeping and he's, mm. he, he's why he's one of the greats and, and immortal because- I reckon bipolar, because he's diagnosed as a, yeah. I think that happened, that, that helped his career. Yeah. I think because that focus- Why do you think that? Because that focus, when you're bipolar, mm. you can have this fucking extreme focus. <clears throat> you can be, you can do something real abstract, but then what you've got to do, sometimes you can focus on it like mm. a motherfucker. Mm. And I think that's, I think that played to his advantage. Yeah. It might have played to his disadvantage He's, in his social life. <laughs> We're all disadvantaged at some point <laughs> in our social life. But I think you're right because you look at players like, even Freddie, he's not bipolar, but he's, he had that loose side as well. And mm. Lockie, mate, Lockie's got that as well. And then even Thursday to a degree, JT. All these guys I played with that were greats. When you seen Thursday for the first time, what yeah. did you think? Little skinny kid? I was actually in his spot. So that was, I was a 5'8 with Sherwin at the Bulldogs. And he was like scoring three or four tries, setting up five in reserve grade mm. every week. And I'm thinking, oh shit. Mm. You know, like, I got it before. Yeah, but he was like this. He hadn't filled out. and But I was doing a good job. We were winning comp. I was, but I had this kid behind me. And he was by far the best player in reserve grade. Mm. But then he had a few chances in first grade. He come up off the bench mm. and he, he didn't quite transition that, but he wasn't big enough or old enough or all that. Right? He was always mm. going to be, you know what? I, I wouldn't say he was always going to be one of the best ever, but he was always going to be a 10-year on mm. like first grade. You, you couldn't tell because I suppose you're worried about his size and defense and all that sort of thing. Mm. But then he really started icing it when he came up mm. and you're going, oh, this kid's special, mm. this kid's special. And then- yeah, and then he obviously moved on to the Cowboys. A lot of that was because of the success we were already having there and we'd won a premiership and he's probably thinking, I won't get where I want to get for a couple of years now. So he was ready to rock. Mm. And then he, he obviously, Cowboys, and won the first premiership ever for them and all that. He's a very special, he's a great guy too. Yeah. See, I just love that authenticity. Yeah. He's got all the media training and everything like that. I think he skips a bit of that. And I, yeah. But I think that's what it appeals to the masses with him, just himself. It does. It does. He's got that amazing laugh. It's I love him. Just to interview another Aboriginal player and I'll sit on the ground. Yeah. I love that sort of stuff. Yeah, I think I it's, it it's authentic. Well, they can relate, which is, <laughs> and then you get probably more out of the conversation. Or the him interview. and Sam Fido just sitting yeah, down there. Sammy. Good guy too. Yeah. It's funny, I've become really good friends with Ben Eichen and yeah. you know, good bloke. He's a good man, Benny. Yeah, I went yeah. to his wedding and I oh got heaps funny. I, was, I remember seeing Wayne Bennett at Ben's uh, Ben's fucking Bucks night and I'm going up to him and all these people are sucking up. He's like, my name's John Smith from 2UE and everything like <laughs> And I said, oh, my, name's Russell Manso. <laughs> my name's Russell Manso, a retired bank robber. And he, he grabbed me and he goes, this is interesting. And Ben told him. And um, I said, his brother was the head of the police on the Gold Case. And oh, I right. said, can you get your brother to leave me alone? And he goes, I'll tell you what, if you're not getting into trouble, my brother will leave you alone. And I said, yeah, sweet. That's good advice. <laughs> yeah, great advice. So it was encouraging me to stay in the trouble. It didn't work at the time. But anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. we got back to it. Mate, so... Let's talk about Origin. Mm. What was your first game of Origin? Was it as- oh, Origin is everything that it's built up or to be. It, it is, we all rushed home to watch Origin from yeah. school and talked about it all day. And mm. every every kid wants to play for New South Wales or Queensland. Mm. And it, it is as big as you could ever imagine. You, mm. you, you just, you want to get picked. Once you get picked, you go into camp and they treat you like, it's big too. You go in, there's cameras everywhere. You get your gear, you know, you're with the other players. They put the spiel on, you know, you don't, you have everything you want for the whole week. And the training compared to a normal, like, club training mm. session, it's like you're playing a, a game almost. The speed is mm. so fast. And you walk off that field absolutely smashed. Mm. Like, it's, and you, and the, you get nervous for a training session as you would to play in a regular first grade game. Mm. Like it's because you've got to be on. If you're mm. not on, you're expo you get exposed because mm. you're playing with the best players in the world. Mm. So the build ups and the hype, and then there's story after story about the game and about individuals all week. Yeah. And you try and at a young age, I read a lot of it. I didn't at the back end, but you're seeing it all your family, your friends, and then everyone stops for that one game. That and it's a, the worst thing about Origin is it's at eight, eight o'clock at night. You wake up early and you're thinking, and you replay the game in your head a thousand times before you get to it. It's all over the news. It's all over the papers. People wherever you are, normally it's in at Suncorp or here in Sydney, and there's people walking the streets in jerseys. And then you get the bust of the game, and it's just everyone's on the piss, and you just go, "This is important. <laughs> yeah. This is it. This is it. This yeah, is." There's an expectation like no other on you. Ex expectation, and you, you, your head goes to all different places. Like you, you want to 
you don't want to let down your state because you're not only playing for the team and your teammates, which is what you're usually in your fans, but you're playing for the whole state. And you're trying to not think of worst case scenarios. You're thinking about best case scenarios. Your game plan's going through your head a million times. And then you get there and you go into the sheds and you're unaware really what's going on around. Mm. Like once you get into the sheds, like it's, there's lots of people there mm. and, and you, you try and block out how many people are actually going to watch it. And you focus on what's at hand, but then you run out, and you just go. Whoa. Where, where did you, was your first game? Where was your first, first game? Was Suncorp? Wow, the Cauldron. The Cauldron. Uh, no, actually, wrong. Was it uh, Aussie? No, uh, no, uh, out at Homebush. And mm. then my second one was up there, mm. but it was off the bench too. Here uh, Barrett was the five eight actually, and it might have been Joey, but I was, I was off the bench, but. And it was a good little, again, they brought me on and just after 50 minutes because I was just a utility again. But as uh, getting to more important games, as I got older, you run out and it's numbing, like your body just, go, like your body just goes numb. And then you sing the national anthem because you, normally your friends and family, ticket, I'd get mm. 20 or 30 for mine and you see them. It's quite emotional because that's what you've wanted to do your whole life. Yeah. And it's such a big game and you're just trying to keep it all in. Yeah. Um, and then when you get on the field, you can't hear the guy next to you. So you've got to rely on the game plan and the preparation you've done all week because literally it is that loud. You can't really – normally as a half, a 7-6, you, you, you you're really – You're playing 5-8 in a game? Yeah. You, you're like you, – you're all over the game plan. You're talking, communicating, whether it be at a scrum or before a set piece or a penalty or whatever. But it is so loud that you really need – the prep needs to be spot on because once you're out there – a lot of it goes to shit yeah. because it's, it's that, that, and that's what I think that's why the greats really stand up because you're seeing stars after 10 minutes. Yeah. It's that quick. Yeah. And it's that physical. And your body's gone after 10 minutes, mm. but then you've got to, you've got to go to that dark place and you've got to find that next. You have to be an origin player. And some guys actually are superhuman and stand up mm. in those games, like Wally Lewis, mm. Andrew Johns. Jonathan Thurston, Billy Slater, Freddie Fittler, all these guys, they're the real special ones. And that's why I think that's why I'm going a bit off here. Nathan Cleary at the moment. Yeah. Best player in the game. Mate, I was with him the other night and he's an absolute gentleman. One yeah. of the best blokes I've ever met. I've so, got a job. I'm going out there to do the mentor for the nice. Leeds like, got me on. Glenn Lydia had to get me out there. You won't meet a better bloke, more humble guy. Yeah. And that you understand why he's where he is. But And I – think he will own Origin one day. But that's the only question mark. Like he – I love him. Yeah. Uh, and what he's been able to do at Penrith is three premierships in a yeah. row. It's just fucking I reckon, crazy. I reckon another one. But they can. Yeah, There's yeah. no doubt. Yeah. But just – because that's – on 360, we often talk about is he an immortal or is he the best half ever. Like that, they're the conversations yeah. people want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, of course. But it's like until he owns Origin – and I get that. If you're an Origin player, you get it mm. because – to own Origin is so hard, mm. and that and once you play it, you understand that, right? Because mm. you're playing against the best, and your body's just in a dark place, and you, you got to be special. So I think that's the big question, not a big question mark, because he's earned the right to be the man and one of the best players ever, I think, already. Mm. But when they're talking immortal status, and they're talking, it's like, can he own an Origin? Yeah. Can he really, like Joey and those guys have all done, can he do that? And that's the only thing I would say that probably – holds him from being up in that immortal status or the best mm. halfback ever, close to it yeah, in, that, yeah. in that conversation. Because Joey and Thursday did it regularly and Alfie Langer. Yeah. You know, I, was, I was there. Ben Eichen was on his way to the airport to pick up Alfie from when they brought him back from England. And he goes, I've got a little secret for you. And I said, what's he oh, yeah, yeah. you got the mail. I, I was, yeah, 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 never from yeah, under yeah. the no, bus. No. Like, yeah. That's integrity. But I went, fucking wow. <laughs> that was crazy. And, I, and I'm a diehard Welshman. Yeah. I'll tell you something now, mate. I was punishing. I spent eight years in prison in, Chris, uh, in Queensland when they won, when Queensland won <laughs> the eight and oh, man, that was torture. <laughs> That I was, was blown so up. Bad. I, you know what? I got man. I, I'm so passionate about New South Wales. As soon as Queensland got into a lead, yeah. I'd blow the power. So fucking, <laughs> I did, so I didn't have to you hear didn't it. Have to hear it because they every time Queensland would score, everyone's kicking doors. Queensland, they, them, they have the belief that people jump off the Harbour Bridge and commit suicide yeah. after. This is all these fucking bullshit stories. Yeah, that they, they, they are. They ain't reckon they're crazy. Oh, they're mental. Queenslanders. Like you got to yeah. give them credit. Oh, like, they're passionate. They are so passionate about Origin and. It's hard for me to, because we're so passionate, right? Yeah. We are. But I feel like more of them are. I don't, yeah. And I hate admitting it, and it yeah, pisses so me I, off. So it kills. But it fucking, I think it's true, and I hate it. 
We've got Sydney Harbour. We've got a couple of diversion taxis. We've got beautiful <laughs> we've got harbour. Diversions. We've got a, a beautiful harbour and yeah. they've got the Brisbane we've River. I, I, I just colour that in with that sort of stuff. <laughs> Mate, so tell me, you reached 214 games at the Bulldogs, yeah? Yeah. 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 200 games running out. How was that? Yeah, the Bulldogs is a very special place. Yeah, I, I, as I said earlier, like it set me up for for life. And then we won the comp, and we two thousand and four. Yeah, we we had the two thousand and two salary cap scandal, mm. which was not good, mm-hmm. and I was face of it. Pretty much what happened there, we won seventeen games in a row, which was a record. I thought we were going to win the competition. I think many people did. I don't like to discredit the Roosters who went on to win because they deserved it. They played the Warriors, but it was a hard one to sit back and watch. Because and you got scratched, didn't you? Yeah, we lost all the points, yeah. uh, 30, 34, I think, something like that. It was over. And I actually, because I was the face of the Oasis project, which is a big project that the Bulldogs were about to build, mm. a new facility. Yeah. And I was the face of it, and I didn't know, but I think I was – because you get paid in your account from the Bulldogs. Mm. I didn't I think what happened was I was getting paid from the wrong place, but mm. I didn't know that. Yeah. Anyway, they come to me, actually. I'd just broken my thumb, but we were on, I was just going to have a couple of weeks off and then fire up of the semis. And they, the board come to me in the dressing sheds before the game. And they said, mate, it's going to be in store in the paper tomorrow, but don't worry about it too much. It should be sweet. And I said, okay, no worries. And I was sitting there watching the game from the sort of behind the top, the players on the bench. And this cameraman was focused on me the whole game. I'm thinking, why does this guy keep taking photos of me? Like, I'm just mm. watching the game. And then I woke up the next morning and I was the front page of the telly and the Herald. Mm. And it was like Bulldogs cheats. And then, so, so a board member had, they'd stood a board member down, I believe, or told him who, mm. who was to go and he knifed them. He mm. dogged them. Mm. He showed, he went and uh, exposed them and we are gone. So that was, oh. Shocking. Uh, and then we had to deal with that. And then we had the Coffs Harbour stuff too. Yeah. So we had a tough time there, but it only but brought that, us closer. I'll talk about that sort of stuff. Footballers are the target. And we just seen it with Harry Garside, the boxer. Mate, don't even get me started. Yeah. Oh, let's get started. Yeah. Let's get started yeah. on that because I think it's a topic. Remember Freddie having a piss? Or no, Freddie got drunk and they dropped him out in front of fucking Glebe Police Station in yeah. a taxi. How the fuck? Yeah. Does that make the front page of a paper? Well, Willie Mason, I remember at the Sheaf, we were at the Sheaf one night and he did a piss in the back alleyway where no one was and someone took a photo of it and he was on the fucking front page of the paper or something. But uh, yeah, it's a, even the Paul Kent stuff, yeah. he ended up getting off. We won't go into that too yeah. much, but he got off, which is good for him. Yeah, you know, that is good. When, yeah. when, that's such an easy thing to do. And I, I think the laws have got to change. When people falsely accuse someone of something and it's proven, the, the, owners, the charge should be on – the penalty, what they would have received, should be on them. The Coffs Harbour thing was a disgrace. It was a disgrace. And it was led by the coppers. Yeah. They, the ego of the police got in the way. Yeah. And they – Pursued something that was never. I think we got to touch on. I think we, I was accused. Some of the bulldog players were accused of sexual assault, which mm. was later found out to be a load of fucking yes. shit. But it took every. It was a load of shit. Yeah. And it, but it it drew us all in because every player was so solid. Right. No one threw anyone under the bus or even said who was even involved in. Mm. There was nothing that happened, mm. but it was involved in whatever. Right. Mm. Just the relationship, whatever yeah. you want to call it, and. Because we stuck so solid, they hated that, right? But we had nothing to hide. Yeah. It was sitting on the truth. It was sitting on the truth. But everyone knew the truth from the start. Mm. But because we were rugby league players and because the coppers, the couple of guys with egos wanted wanted to try and bring us down, we had, all like a lot of us had partners, kids, wives, and we even had to go get DNA tested and marched in front of the police station with there's cameras everywhere. It was disgraceful. And there was not ever anything done wrong from the get-go mm. and, and the, honestly like i i've got respect for the police i do and i've got friends that are in the police force but at times like this you just go hang on mate you're dealing with if it if we weren't a professional rugby league team mm. mate it wouldn't have it wouldn't have it wouldn't have lasted a day it wouldn't have got through Never done. and nothing it turned into months and months and really impacted us deeply like it was but you know what like we used it as motivation i don't, I don't know if whether that's a good or bad thing, but not motivation, but it brought us tighter together. Yeah. Like we, we really, cause it, cause everyone trusted each other and believed in each other and didn't dog each other too. Yeah. Like everyone was really solid throughout that period. Yeah. We ended up winning the comp and I think you could say it had something to do with it. And that's good. 
I just, it, it, it irks me and I think, I'd love to go out with professional sportsmen, like I'd be part mm. of something like that because I can pick them people. I've got a fucking eye for mm. them rats. And I think a big part of that sort of stuff these days is educating, yeah. education of young people because there's so many people that want to wag a bag of coke under a young footballer oh, when, when he's got a skin full and he's vulnerable and then take photos of it. It's just a fucking rat culture. Mate, there's a lot of dogs out there. Oh. I hate to say it. Oh, no, there's, mate, there is. There's... Like I, I've had blokes pick me and then they're videoing me but I'll catch them I'm like oh, yeah, you can't you do it you just go fuck off yeah. but they're actually trying to set you up yeah. and then and, that, and you know you, you, yeah there's a lot of dogs out there I know I know the Bronx have got some bloke who's an ex-SAS and he goes out with them when the boys yeah. go out for a drink and he keeps an eye on them keeps the fucking yeah. heavens We away. ended up having that at the Roosters. You need it. We had a guy with us 24-7 in the end. Yeah, you need of, that. Yeah. It's crazy. And Lid, I was talking to Glenn Lydia the other day. One of the players goes to have a shit and there's someone hanging a camera over <laughs> the fucking... <laughs> it's so bad. Isn't that rotten? It's bad, mate. It's bad. Isn't it rotten at it these fucking... I feel sorry for a lot of the boys now because they can't enjoy... Like even sitting with Nafe, I'm thinking... He's got a new. Oh, I'm not going to get. He's got a new missus. Yeah, I can well, say, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a high profile. And, and we we were having a good chat because I lived it, but not as full on as him. Yeah. And I'm trying to help him because he doesn't have any. Who's he going to talk to about this stuff either? Yeah. But he's and I because not many people understand it. Yeah. But he's the poor bloke. And then people go, "Oh, poor bloke, isn't this?" But he deserves his own freedom and his own privacy. Hundred percent. He's a young kid. Yeah. He's, yeah. He hasn't, he's only twenty. What? Twenty five? Twenty six? I don't know. But they just. No one lets you get away with anything these days. You can't. You can't be human. No. And that's and then you talk about mental health and all that, it can impact these guys later. You know what I mean? And that's why after retirement, a lot of guys struggle too. But there's a lot that you sacrifice as a player and that people don't know about. You miss – and it, it, people say it's insignificant, but it's. I think it's not. Like you miss all your mates' birthdays and travelling to Europe and mm. weddings and – christenings and all that you, you miss all those things that are like family that really at the end of the day matter the most those those moments that matter the most memories memories right yeah. it's they have great lives and great careers in terms of sport and earning good money and opportunities but they miss out on a lot of emotional and a lot of time that my mates and everyone else's experience that, that a lot of us don't that the you, you know, like you said that are memories forever that's what I talk about with a lot of the work I do with abuse survivors. Like they get a, a payout, and I say, now it's time to create some memories. Yeah. And the, I, I dare say the footballers suffer, like, it's it, in some ways, because you're so corralled into this lifestyle, and, you, and you're right, that's a really good valid point what people overlook, the, what the sacrifices these players, like, we talk about the money they make, but the sacrifices they make mm. to get to do is like FIFOing. Yeah. Yeah, fly yeah, in, fly out, yeah. miners. They go away, and they're in camp. They're not, they're not, as you say, they're not at parties or anything like. They're missing out on memories. Yeah. yeah, and what that does too is it impacts relationships with their loved ones, and which is really what holds you all together in the end. You can make all the money that you want, but if you're not happy, you fucking. You, you, we've seen it. Like how yeah. many blokes you meet that have got all the money in the world, but are miserable. You know, I got out of jail and I worked really fucking hard. I realise I bought a Mercedes Benz. I bought a fucking Rolex. I bought a lot, yeah. and I realised how. Much a fucking any climax that shit is. <laughs> I've done it all too. I've had it all as well. I've lost a lot in relationships, but <laughs> yeah. But you, you get it. It's cool. You go, yeah. Or you got a mad car. I've had all the cars and that when I was playing. But really, it's a fucking watch two days later. Yeah. Fucking the fireworks display and the Marachi band didn't fucking kick <laughs> off to say Brave's got a fucking Rolex. Yeah, exactly. And you're thinking, what the fuck was that all? Yeah. I just sat on that for fucking. Eight. I put my hopes and dreams into that. Yeah. Giving me satisfaction, but then. The satisfaction of being able to give someone some word of advice or some time or anything like that and knowing the impact they have on life is a thousand times better, a thousand times more rewarding. And you're doing a good job of that. That's why I started doing the Strong Dad stuff too because you, you, I get a lot out of guys feeling better, looking better and just being better people. I think that's through training like you're Mm -hmm. doing at the moment. I went through the same as you, trained hard the last sort of two years where I was in a bad place. And now through training and routine and getting up in the mornings and just fucking feel great. If you can share that message and and help with certain ways and standards and values and I think you can just, if you can help blokes be better. I love seeing men getting vulnerable because that's authentic. It's fucking real and you're being true to yourself when you're doing it. Put your hand up because I'd rather fucking be talking to you on the phone or whatever, even at 2 o'clock in the morning on 10 year fucking funeral, 10 10 o'clock a week later. This is the thing, all of us struggle, mate. Like, all of us go through dark patches and all that. And and I think the big message is you're just not alone. Like, 
you can t- openly talk about things and no one's going to judge you either. Mate, all of us have got our stories to tell. And, and the more you talk about it, the better you feel. Like you talk about being vulnerable, you do, you feel so much better. Like even at the start, I was vulnerable, I started crying, felt straight away a relief after it because it's not something I've spoken about before. And mm. But then you feel relieved that you've got it off your chest and you can, you feel like people will understand. But it's just, And yeah. it's cathartic. The more times I tell my story, the better I feel. Like people go, oh, I was speaking, I've done a podcast yesterday and the bloke goes, like, how do you talk about what happened in abuse sense? And I say, man, every time I tell it, mm. that's a relief. It's like that release valve on the fucking pressure cooker, yeah. you know what I mean? It feels so good. People would look at you brave and say, fucking good looking bloke, first grade footballer, have any woman he wants. Why would you, why would, why would any, you've got the ideal life, but, and a lot of people don't understand, I would, from a su- superficial, yeah. man, I mean, people, bloke, people jump do. over fucking people, fences, people do, looks. trust me. <laughs> yeah. No, and I've got a good life. Yeah. No doubt about that. But, you, but what you are is you're real. Hmm. You have wants and needs. Yeah. And off, the problem is with our wants and needs, like when we're not getting them, we go under depression, we get yeah. anxiety and that sort of th- sort of thing. That superficial stuff, that surface stuff is oh, not. Perception is everything. And yeah. you can use that in any way you like, but perception is obviously not reality. Like you said, I've got a, I've got a great life, two beautiful girls, all that. But I've been divorced, separated. I've had my dad. Like I've had, you know, there's For a lot. Sure. There's a lot that happens there. I've had to work my ass off to get where I am, and I still do. I'm still. You still yeah. got to like. It, it is what it is. I've got two kids, the two different women, and like that's a challenge for me. There's so much challenges, and you can't just push that aside. That's no. life. But I love your authenticity, and and I love how you share that online. You don't realize the impact you have because you got a massive following, but you, the impact that you're having on men, well, it was, I know people love your stuff. Oh, it means a lot to me, that. And, and it's funny because people, the diehard Souths, like, but they, <laughs> they hate me. Yeah, but, but even them re-engage with you and they yeah. go, fucking no, I that's, love that. that. I've seen that a lot, mate. The amount of judgment I had on me throughout my career, and I understand it, you get put up here, it paints a certain pi- picture and people either respect it or they love to hate it, whatever. Mm. And they have opinions and judge and all that's mm. all fine. And But like for me now, it's been good because... I've been in around for so long now and I've got a, a, way, a voice now, not only through social media, but even working on 360s, I'm on the show three nights a week. I'm on the coverage four nights a week. People get to know you more. Mm. They get to understand. And through even through stuff like this, it's they get to understand. You can't hide yeah. if you're a fuckwit. You can't. And I'm actually a good judge of person too. Like, that's big for me. Like, mm. I, I've only got a small group of mates mm. who I've had. They're all my schoolmates. And I think mm. that says a lot. Like, all my best mates are my schoolmates that I've had forever. And I, I just, I've always been genuine. I've always been loyal. I've always, like, I am what I am. And I've been proud of that. And people work it out. Yeah. Like, it's, I don't hide. I've got nothing to hide. Yeah. And I think that's helped now with my job because people start to realize you for you, yeah. not what you're perceived over a long period of time. Yeah, I and love that, that. It's rewarding to have that. Like, even what you you say and people like I get a lot of people coming to me goes, Oh, they come up to me and I don't know if it's a compliment or not, but they're like, Fuck, you're actually a good bloke. <laughs> I'm like, You're I'll, a good I'll cat. take it. <laughs> good I'll cat. take it, but I, 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 it's funny when I'm I've been that, telling myself, you say that, I've been telling myself that for years. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I don't believe it, or I say, No, there's a vexatious rumor, mate. Don't go there, don't believe it. Yeah. Someone's lying there. <laughs> hey, all right, the transition over to the Roosters that would have been like oh. the last hay set, yeah, that was the big. So that, that again was a misconception. Yeah. So I love the Bulldogs, didn't want to leave there. Mm. And, but we'll, because we had success, salary cap comes in and we'd been done cheating the cap. So like they were all over the cap. Yeah. And Malcolm Nob was the CEO. And anyway, they, they prioritized Willie Mason and Sonny Bill Williams, mm. as you do, right? Two amazing players. And unfortunately for me, I didn't even get an offer. A lot of, see, at the time, the, all the Bulldogs thought I just went to the Roosters for money. Mm. I actually didn't even get an offer from the Bulldogs. And so I was shattered, but I had to go. And that's when I started talking to rugby teams and the Roosters because I'd played Origin and won the series with Joey in the halves in 2005 under Ricky Stewart. He was the coach of the Roosters and we had a good relationship and that's how that unfolded. But the Bulldogs at the time – wanted people to think that I left on my own accord yeah. because it makes it easier for them to yeah. explain why they let go of me. Yeah. And that's what clubs do. Yeah. They're all smart. They're all businessmen. Yeah. They want to protect their own image and brand, yeah. but at the expense of the player, which is why it hurt me a lot because it hurt my relationship with the Bulldogs because I didn't like that. And, uh, and How many know, years have you been there at that stage? Six or seven years. Yeah. And I had a lot of success and loved it. I've, like, I even now thank them for the person I am and the footy career I've had and even post. 
that was a full misconception. Then there's rumours going around that I was rooting sh- Shifty Sherwin's misses and all that. And they, <laughs> the crowd, that they, it's laughable, and they all run with they it. They let the truth get a good and, story. Yeah, but mate, people actually believe this bullshit, and that would happen with all the players, even now, yeah. Latrell and all those guys. There's, it's a crazy world. But anyway, then uh, South were back in the comp, and so George was my uncle, and this, and it was built for the fairy tale return to South. Yeah. And I wanted to go there. But they'd only just got back in and they just didn't have a strong team at all. Mm-hmm. And I remember they were trying to get Matt Offord and Bell, the centre from Melbourne. Yeah. And I said to them, because there was no one there, and I was in the Origin team and I was I was at my peak as mm-hmm. a player, 25, 26, and I said, listen, if you can get Matt Offord and Bell, I'll come. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you get them, I'm in. And they couldn't get them. And then I remember... George was ringing me and Shane Richardson and all that at the time, and they were throwing the kitchen sink at me because it was a big deal, like local junior and all that, George, my uncle. And then I had Ricky Stewart, and I went for dinner with the Roosters because they wanted me to go there. And, I, yeah. and I'm on the penthouse at Bondi with Ricky, I think Ginge was there, Nick Politis, and they're like, mate, you come here, you'll have success, and we'll look after you forever. And I'm like, oh, fuck. You've got Burris and Martin mm. Fennessy. How good's Burris? And he, oh, he's the best. Best line. He's a, yeah, he's a legend. I've got, I've got the chairman's Roosters lunch after this, which is a good example of how they still look after their players, yeah. the Roosters. They're very smart in that way. So here I am with this dilemma. I've got the most powerful board, club, life after footy, because I'm a thinker. I'm yeah. thinking, okay, like life after footy, I've got these yeah. guys here who Nick's still my mentor today. Yeah. Like they can help me with this. and So it's a business decision too for me. Mm. And then I've got South, I go there, I get more money, but then longevity, success, I'll lose my origin jersey. How long is it going to take for them to rebuild? I love the place. I've always wanted to play there, but my uncle's the president. So it was a huge dilemma. And yeah. unfor- unfortunately for South, and well, at the time, it was, yeah, it was the hardest decision I've had to make. And I went to the Roosters. Yeah. Mm. Did that affect your relationship with George at the time? Yeah, it did. Yeah. It did. We weren't the same for a while. Yeah, it was just it was awkward. I'd, I'd let him, I'd felt like I'd let him down, and I probably had. But then he's not that silly. He respects like he gets uh-huh. the game. He was back then. South George was very loyal to South. He was there everything. He was there front and center. He got them back in the competition. Without him, there is no South. Yeah. But see what happened was, and George was definitely inf- impacted George's relationship with me until they knifed him. Yeah, and then. I, re- I, 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 we, me, and him become closer again because he realised that how ruthless the sport is yeah. and the clubs are. When Russell and Peter Holmes of Court come in and the board and they asked the George, I think he then we we got stronger because it was like fuck, it's a fickle well, world out there. And the band back together. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, in, in its own sort of South doing the wrong thing by George probably helped me with my relationship and re, re, rekindling and bonding together again. And that was important to you because he's a role model. Massive oh, big role. time. Yeah. yeah. Like George Not doesn't big, say much. Yeah. He's one of those tough, he's one of the toughest blokes, mate. But and he was a street fighter too, George. Yeah. I've heard some great stories. My brother was a prison officer at Long Bay Prison and my brother ran his plant and shrub nursery. Oh, he had, yeah. had a plant and shrub nursery at Long Bay and my brother was employed to go and look at, he's a horticulturist by uh-huh. trade, so we went and looked after it, and he loved George. Yeah. No, he's just got a lot of respect. I've got respect for him, and yeah, he's doing it I was talking to man. Tugger him the other day. Like, Tugger looks after him. Like, yeah. mate, Tugger, the respect I've got for Tugger and what he's done for my uncle the past few months is just unbelievable. Yeah, because I, I didn't realise. I rang and I said, Tugger, I'd love to get you on George. He goes, mate, he's not a good way. No. He gets quite aggressive with the... Yeah. And he said he's, he's in hospital, and I said, fuck. And he, you could really hear the pain in Tugger's voice. Yeah. Tugger and him are close, and it's really been tough on Tugger, but he's up there more than anyone visiting and looking after him. How many games do you have for the Roosters? Oh, actually, I'm, well, I'm yeah, not well, good. He's the mass. He's the mass. 214, the Bulldogs, and your total games were 382. Yeah, this would be club games. So I, I would say first grade games, probably 140. Probably similar, a bit more yeah. even yeah. in first grade. And it, it was the Roosters were, were great. It was hard about the Roosters. Well, not hard, but the temptation there for the yeah. young blokes and – is there because back then the cross was pumping and you've got to deal with actually on field but even off field because yeah, of temptation so more temptation, like that's yeah. reality sometimes I'd have to do because I was the captain I'd say to the boys listen let's just lay off it for a few weeks and then I'd get a phone call from someone and I'd have to do a drive by and just fuck oh, come on boys I didn't want to be that guy because I love a good time too yeah. and I'm not that I'm not a even though I was captain I'm not going to knife them either you know yeah. what I mean like I'd, I'd, I'd walk confide in them and go come on like just. 
let's just call it quits and I'll don't say nothing, let's just go home. But you got that challenge and like blokes are like when they're partying, they don't want to stop. But but that was always a challenge and I think a few of our teams probably crumbled a bit under the temptation, but sure. but we, we couldn't get that premiership there, which was, was still hurts me today at the Chooks. We got close there in 2010 when we got through with that game against the Tigers and then we were flying Todd Carney, Mitch Pearce, Jake Friend and all Jared Weirahagris were just on fire, but then we just, we got to the grand final against the Dragons and we started really well, although there was a bit of a gazanier, was it Morris stu- stood out early and they got a few calls early, but then... It started raining, and we, the thing with us was we were dry trackers, yeah. which was not good. I look back on it now in hindsight, we shouldn't. We were labelled dry trackers, mm. and they said it was going to rain. It didn't, and we th- we're thinking, oh, sweet. And then it started raining at halftime, and the, just the, the psyche and the mental, yeah. I think it just cruel us, and mm. then they were too good. Retiring from football, mate, what was it like? Did for, you... for me, it was good. Yeah, was it? Yeah, I didn't, but I'd worked hard again and done the prep, and that's what I tell my players now. So I'd been going and doing like my work apprenticeship pretty much at Fox for a long time. I've been there for 17 years now. No one really knows that, but I'd go and call like a lot of the lower grades and get comfortable uh, over a long period of time so that when I did retire, I could make that transition. Yep. Um, so it was a lot of hard work, but a lot of prep because I didn't want to be that guy. That yeah. happens a lot. That mm. It has nothing to do or nowhere to go and, and struggles with, with life after footy. So that was a dream to get there. Um, and then slowly improve at my commentary and stuff. But then the hosting changed my life, really. Mm. The NL 360 gig. That's really – it's only been a couple of years now, but that's just taken me – it's just – I get so much satisfaction out of doing the show and working on it. And mm. I feel like it's close to my biggest success in life. And it's that honesty that you bring. People love that honesty. You might – sometimes you've got to say very unpopular things. Sometimes you've got to be the fucking the bad guy. You, if you don't say what you think on TV, people see through it. Yeah. And, and I think with a show like ours that is, is – it's very newsy, right? We set the agenda nearly every week and we've got to talk about players and that's hard from an ex-player. And we, but you've got to be honest and not take it personal. I got judged my whole career, mm. like badly. I think you've got to talk about the big issues. You've got to have honest opinions. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's healthy. If I'm a player and I've said it before, I don't wouldn't watch the show. Mm. The, the show's more for the fans. Mm. I would tell my clients and even players, don't watch it because mm. people are going to have their opinions right or wrong. Yeah. You know? And you're going to be judged and you, 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 you don't. it doesn't matter what we say. You know, mm. you, can, you, you shouldn't listen to it because it's more for the fans. But I've, I've got to be critical of players at times. I don't like it, but it's What's quite, the old saying? You stand for nothing, you fall for everything. Uh, yeah. And... and, and I think people respect it. <laughs> Not everyone agrees, but I don't agree with everyone else. And that's, that's your life. opinion. And you're yeah, everyone's allowed an opinion. I, I'm going to say this. I love your authenticity and I love your ability to become vulnerable. And, and I think you really showed that. And you're a real credit to manhood, mate. You're a real credit to manhood, Braith. And Thanks, um, I love that. I love that about you. Mate, you're an absolute legend. You're doing great things, brother. Thank you very much, Braith. Thank you, brother. I appreciate having you. <laughs>